Welcome to Being Who You Are. I'm your host, Naomi Simpson. I'm an entrepreneur, an astrologer, a transformational coach, and a yogi. And I believe that speaking authentically empowers others to do the same. Here, we can have conversations around what it means to live in integrity and how the way we live has an impact on the community around us. Thank you for joining me for this exploration. Hello and welcome to Being Who You Are, the podcast. It's been a hot minute since I did a podcast. I haven't done any since I believe June was the last episode. And I had an interview with uh, my wonderful friend, Cynthia McLaughlin. I'm pretty sure that was the last one, but it's been so long that I don't remember for, for sure. Anyhow, um, Life got in the way and I was enjoying a beautiful season of living and loving and enjoying the wonderful summer we're blessed to have here in Canada. And so I really, <laughs> I let everything go. I let all of my uh, creative endeavors fall by the wayside. I was creating in different ways, uh, more through beautiful human connections um, in person and really taking advantage of uh, the, the glorious weather and wonderful times. So I have, uh, now that winter is here and I'm looking outside at a snow-filled yard, it has given me a chance to slow down, to become introspective, to come back to myself and to um, really assess what I want to do with this podcast. And my original inspiration for this podcast was uh, there used to be a radio show on CBC Radio, and I believe it was called Out Front, but I can't remember for sure. And I remember the beginning, the audio, and there was a woman who said, I have a story to tell. And each episode was like um, a mini documentary, an oral documentary about a different story that somebody would tell. It was always a different um, person who did this documentary. And it was so interesting. And I just loved that show. And I always thought, I should do this. And I was always going to write or do not write about because you're it's a radio show. So speak about um, my experience of singing in a choir. And that's definitely something that I would like to talk about on this podcast. So stay tuned for that episode. But what I've decided to do um, is talk occasionally mix up um my podcast with interviews and also tell stories um, because I think that's really the creative pull I'm feeling now. And I love doing the interviews because I really love hearing about other people's journeys and how they have moved um, into a, a space of living more authentically and really being true to themselves. Um, I find that just so inspiring for myself and from the feedback I get um, from my wonderful listeners, you also find this inspiring. So I'm going to continue to do that. Um, so stay tuned for some wonderful interviews. 
And I'm also going to tell my own stories. So um, I most likely am going to aim for one podcast every three or four weeks. Um, it was just a little bit too hectic trying to get one every other week out. And I know people like predictability. So I thought, well, if I can commit to sort of, I'll try for one, one every three weeks. Um, we'll see how that goes and it might end up being once a month, but, um, I, so anyhow, that's what my thinking is. So, um, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I'm sorry. I've missed you for the better part of six months. It really was a wonderful six months. I had so much fun and joy in that time. Um, and I'm really, really grateful for it. I had that had been missing from my life. Um, not completely, but a little bit. And uh, I was just grateful for a really wonderful summer. I was also um, busy with work too. So that <laughs> that also limited my time for creative endeavors. And I love that we're in the season of winter now because that is a time to rest and go within. I know we're not officially in winter until December 21st with the winter solstice, Um, but here winter has arrived unexpectedly and in a very definitive way with a whole lot of snow. And I used to really resist winter because it's really cold where I live and very snowy. And it's wonderful when you're out skiing or snowshoeing or enjoying the winter, or you have little kids to go tobogganing with, or you can go tobogganing at any age, of course. Um, But there was a, a time where I really started to resist it and not enjoy it as much. And I do enjoy going outside as long as I'm prepared for it and dressed appropriately. And But the part I'm really embracing now is the seasonal invitation to slow down, to go within, to take your time and rest and replenish and restore. And that is what the earth is doing during this season. And so we're invited to follow that example and do it ourselves. So for me, it's been a lot of time of journaling and um, going to bed earlier, um, you know, reading in bed and just being quieter, more introspective and, um, and I've really enjoyed that. So I'm looking forward to a few months of this to really, really rest. And then in the spring, we're reborn and we get to come back out with all that wonderful enthusiasm of spring. So the story I'm going to share with you today is um, a story I wrote, and it was about my experience on the Camino. And I actually, this whole podcast was inspired by an interview I did exactly a year ago um, for the Camino People People podcast. Um, I think it's called El Camino People. I'm pretty sure that's the name. And it was a wonderful, wonderful interview. I really loved it. And it was so much fun. I thought, oh, I'd like to do this more. And that's what inspired me to start my own podcast. And the interview was the story of the wonderful, magical experience of falling in love on the Camino. And um, so I actually wrote about it. I wrote a short story about it, and I'm going to read it for you now to share it with you so you can hear it in my own words. The story is called Swallows. 
The swallows have left. I'm not exactly sure when. Their presence dwindles for weeks and days until finally one morning they are no longer sailing gracefully in the sky behind my house or lined up along the fence in the field where I walk the dogs. They leave more subtly than they arrive, although their arrival is quiet too. Usually I first see the tree swallow sitting on the power lines along the road between my house and the neighbors. I'm always happy to see them as they are fair weather birds and their arrival marks the beginning of real spring, not the winter spring back and forth that the red winged blackbirds signal. Always within a few days of seeing the tree swallows, the barn swallows appear at my farm and take up residence in the mudroom and the barns and the sheds around my house. This year, in spite of the fact that the good weather came late, the swallows came early. They arrived just before the end of April. I know this because I remember noticing them in the days before I flew to Porto to begin walking the Camino Portugues. I was curious about what their arrival meant for me, uh, for, sorry, for my solo journey along the way of St. James. I was happy to see the swallows back in my mudroom and I took their early advent as a good omen. When I arrived alone in Porto a, four, a few days later, the swallows were everywhere near the waters of the river and ocean bordering that city. Wandering around in the afternoon before I began my Camino, their presence was ubiquitous, reproduced in art, in shops, on signs, in windows. I bought a little potter, pottery swallow with wings painted blue, like my barn swallows at home. A souvenir of this trip, like my small watercolor of the Duomo in Firenze and my miniature rendition of Notre Dame de Paris. The swallow stayed with me the entire 280 kilometers as I walked with the wild and wide Atlantic Ocean at my left shoulder. I knew that the Camino would be a life-changing experience, but the ways that it transformed my life were completely unexpected. It was full of magic and serendipity and moments of complete beauty and joy, while also at times being painful, grueling, and full of breathtaking heartache. I was ready for change, and I thought this journey would bring it, but I never expected the form it would take. Tall, with graying hair and bright blue eyes, carrying a backpack and walking sticks. His red jacket caught my eye like a matador's bright cape. I had been walking along the river path for less than an hour. Thus far, my Camino did not have the feel of a pilgrimage. Most of the people on the path were locals heading to work or school. Further away from the city centre, the path had fewer commuters and more people out to enjoy the day. People walking with friends or out with their dogs. People jogging and riding bikes. It wasn't what I expected. I could have been out in any city anywhere. I wasn't even bothering with my sticks. It seemed like overkill on the flat, well-groomed path. About half an hour into my walking, I spotted my first pilgrim, a young woman, backpack and hiking boots, marking her as a fellow journeyer. As the distance between us closed, I realized that I had no idea how to manage the etiquette of sharing the way. Do you ask to walk together? Does it just happen organically? I had read Camino books, browsed Camino websites and forums, joined online Camino groups, and attended a day-long information session with the Toronto chapter of the Canadian Company of Pilgrims. 
I had spoken with friends of friends and family of friends who had walked the Camino themselves, and I had been bold enough to ask for guidance on the logistic logistics of having an emergency pee, but it had never occurred to me to ask how one would go about asking another pilgrim to walk together for a while. Everyone always told me that the Camino always provides, that if you wanted to walk alone, you could do so in safety. But if you wanted company, there were always other pilgrims close by who were happy to oblige. As I came up next to the young woman, I turned my head towards her, smiled, and wished her an enthusiastic bom caminho, the Portuguese variation of the pilgrim's salutation. She looked over and smiled, and I continued walking. Soon I spotted two other pilgrims deep in animated conversation. As I got closer to them, I began to pick up snippets of their exchange. They were Englishmen. I brightened, picking up my pace to catch them, eventually coming alongside at a crosswalk. I turned to them smiling, ready with my greeting, but they never even looked in my direction, instead crossing to the other side. Epic fail. I noticed his red jacket first, bold and bright and welcoming. His backpack, walking sticks, and hiking boots marked him as a likely pilgrim. As I got closer, I took in his straw fedora and his capri pants. Definitely not a North American man. At least not one I would find in the small rural community where I live. There wasn't a man in my acquaintance who would be caught dead in capris. Shorts in winter, sure, we're Canadian. But, but, but capri pants? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I prepared my open, friendly smile as I came alongside him and wished him bon camino as I sailed past. He smiled and returned and said something in a language I didn't recognize, and I turned back, smiling again and shrugging my shoulders to indicate I didn't understand. Maybe he's Swiss, I thought to myself, noting his light hair and blue eyes, not having heard his words clearly. I turned forward and walked away. As I approached the area where the river in Porto meets the sea, I saw a beautiful lighthouse keeping watch at the end of a long stone pier. I watched it over my shoulder as I passed, thinking that I was setting a good, brisk pace. Then I stopped. The destination isn't what matters, right? The journey is. So I turned back and ventured down the long, slick jetty to get a closer look at the lighthouse and its panoramic view. It was beautiful and worth the small detour. As I returned to the way, I chanced on two Canadian pilgrims I had met the day before, Kim and Michael. They were walking the central route and had taken the train out of the city to enjoy the walk along the coast back to the cathedral. We chatted on the pier for a few minutes, then wished each other well and carried on our separate ways. I felt buoyed and confident from the brief visit. I alternated between the path and the beach for a little while, going up and down stairs from the sand to the walkway. One staircase bordered a small beachfront cafe, and as I glanced over at the patio, I saw a flash of red, as the pilgrim I had seen earlier stood up and reached for his backpack. A moment of recognition and a smile passed between us, and then I returned my gaze to the path ahead. The Portuguese coastline was glorious. Sunshine, blue skies, and long sandy beaches stretching out for miles. All of my senses were absorbed in my surroundings. The blinding sun reflected off the water, the smell of salt in the air, hearing the shrieks of seagulls and the snippets of foreign conversation as I passed other walkers. My legs feeling powerful and full of energy, the early kilometers passing with ease. 
A short while later, I was nearing another large lighthouse and closed in on another pilgrim, this time a small woman carrying an enormous and very full backpack. I greeted her as I came alongside and we began to talk. She was Egyptian and this was also her first Camino and the first day of her journey. We approached a small church on a hill overlooking the ocean and I suggested that we take a break and enjoy the view. We offloaded our packs and sat down on the seawall, taking out some food and water to enjoy while we rested. Our conversation was enjoyable and a wonderful reminder of the many common threads which bind the different nationalities and cultures of Earth when we stay open-hearted. I debated about asking her if she wanted to walk together, but hesitated, and instead I wished her safe travels as I set out on my own. The wooden walkway through the dunes was often covered completely in sand, and so I took off my hiking shoes to walk barefoot. I was stopping often to take my shoes off in heavy sand and then put them back on when the bare wood became too hot on my feet. As I stood up from putting my shoes back on, I came face to face with the pilgrim in the red jacket once more. We both laughed, and again, he said something I didn't understand, followed quickly by, do you speak English? Answering an enthusiastic yes, I suggested that we walk together for a little while since our paths kept crossing that day. And so it began. The first tentative steps towards a beautiful love which blossomed for 14 days along the seashore on our way to the final resting place of St. James. While our initial dance was stilted and awkward, once we began walking, everything flowed between us with ease. We began with the polite conversation of strangers staying with the confines of what the walking was like, where we were both from, he from Germany, I from Canada, and how we had spent our time in Porto before beginning the Camino. Soon our talk reached past these limits, exploring the depth of what had brought each of us to follow in the footsteps of thousands of pilgrims over the centuries. We discovered parallel themes in our lives, similar interests and a common outlook. The hours and the kilometers flowed by quickly, walking and talking, progressing along the way, exploring one another more deeply, peeling back the layers to examine the sum substance under the outer shell. For 14 days, this continued, each of us moving into a profound understanding of ourselves and each other, the outward journey a metaphor for the inner one. Albert joked that we were engaged in an intense form of speed dating, together nonstop for the entire 280 kilometers. An innocuous and haphazard connection surprisingly turned into a rich and powerful union. I could fill a book describing our days together, a chapter for each day of learning and walking and loving. Perhaps one day I shall. At the end of that first day together, we lay across the aisle from one another in the common dorm room of the municipal albergue, typical of the hostels which host Camino pilgrims. I was jet lagged, I had walked 27 kilometers, I was nervous and exhausted from travel, and yet I was wide awake. The still night was interrupted by the snoring of the other sleepers nearby, the crowing of a lonely rooster and the tolling of the local church bells announcing the quarter hours. In the quiet of the room, I could feel that he was awake as well. Something was shifting and we could both sense its significance the electric atmosphere of an open field in the moments before a thunderstorm, the singer's intake of breath before the beginning of the song, the orchestra readying their instruments as they watch the conductor lift his baton. 
The movement of those anxious to get an early start to the trail roused us all from our bunks. I washed and dressed with feigned nonchalance, keeping a close eye on his movements, not wanting to lose track of him, but also reluctant to openly ask him to walk together. True to his promise from the day before, he appeared from the bathroom clad in leather lederhosen, and I laughed at the sight. Remember, this is your Camino, he offered. If you want to walk on your own today, I won't be offended. We both crammed our belongings back into our packs and filled our water bottles. I'm happy for us to walk together, I replied. I enjoy talking to you. And with that simple statement, we left the albergue and began searching for the yellow arrows which would guide our way. Conversations covered every conceivable topic as we revealed the hidden parts of ourselves to each other. Initial feelings of mild interest and easy compatibility grew into deeper connection, the electric thrill of attraction jolting me whenever our hands would touch briefly as we moved. I was confused by my feelings, not having anticipated love or romance on a spiritual quest. By the time we stopped to take a photo in front of the cathedral in the town where we had decided to break the day's traveling, his hand gently but firmly holding my shoulder suggested the connection was shared. By the time we walked into Santiago 12 days later, our souls felt so completely intertwined, it was hard to imagine life without the other. Zuzamen, together, this was our mantra. Yet mingled with the triumph and elation of the completion of our Camino was the agonizing sadness that our journey was over. This is not an affair, he emphatically announced to the table of British pilgrims next to us on the patio as we celebrated our arrival in the holy city. One of them had noticed us and asked if we had met on the way, and the group lamented when they heard we were soon to be divided by the, fast, the vast distance of the Atlantic. I cried inconsolably the entire train ride back to Porto while he held me with one arm, using his free hand to book a flight to Toronto two weeks later. The swallows followed me home from Santiago de Compostelo, Compostela and darted around the skies throughout southern Ontario all summer long. Then they accompanied me back across the Atlantic, first when I visited Germany to see him again, and then when we met in Denmark as our journey together continued. They followed him too after he left the Camino. They were circling outside the airport as I waved goodbye when he boarded his flight back to Cologne. Sometimes they appeared in the sky over his garden, once as pottery birds adorning his friend's apartment. Always we would send photos of our little messengers to one another, a secret and shared connection reminding us of our time together on the way. The swallows became symbols of our journey, our Camino, and their ongoing presence made me feel safe and optimistic. He too followed me back across the ocean, that first tentative visit in May, followed by a month-long stay in August as we kept our Camino alive. I knew as the August nights began to cool and the last babies started their practice flights that it wouldn't be long before the graceful silhouettes of the swallows would disappear from the sky. One of the first signs of the shift from summer into autumn. This year we had three pairs nesting in the mudroom and all three raised one brood and then one pair returned later in the summer to raise another clutch. First, only the activity of the parents coming and going to the nest is noticeable accentuated by the dogs barking and jumping at the tiny invaders. Gradually, I catch glimpses of the baby's small but surprisingly wide gaping mouths, waiting for the communion delivered by their swooping parents. 
One day I look up to see four pairs of curious eyes watching me warily from their perch on the wide beam below their nest. Then begin the flying lessons. The students are lined up in a row as their parents flit about, chirping their loud encouragement. After trials at short flights in the mudroom, the family heads out to hone their skills. Their aerodynamic feats and acrobatics fill the sky around the big barn and out in the paddocks with the horses. The younger birds have shorter tail feathers than the graceful long arcs of their parents, but from far away, the difference isn't noticeable. They fly beautifully, never betraying their inexperience. At night, the grown family returns to the nest with mum and dad on sentry duty close by. There is no longer room for all of them in the tiny space. Some nights there are no swallows in the mudroom when I go out late to walk the dogs, but the next day I see them again on the fence while I'm out doing morning chores. I feel happy to see them in relief. I don't want them to leave. Their departure means that fall will soon be here with winter close behind, its cold breath chilling the back of my neck. When we were packing the car for the cottage trip Labor Day weekend, the mudroom was empty and I wondered where they were. I didn't see the swallows on Sunday night when we returned home, but I was distracted and also in denial. Monday, I could no longer avoid the truth that the mudroom remained empty, as did the sky. The swallows were gone. In two days, he would go too, flying back across the Atlantic. Our Camino was over. I used to believe that this was the end of the story. For many months afterwards, this thought filled me with despair. But now with the wisdom, which sometimes comes with space and time, I know that my journey was just beginning. Thank you for joining me for this story. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Being Who You Are. Looking forward to connecting again soon. Thank you for joining me for Being Who You Are. If you enjoyed our time today, please share this podcast with a friend and head on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave the show a rate and review. That helps get our content into the ears and minds of more people who might enjoy it. Thank you again and looking forward to our next episode.